0: Welcome to another episode of Topical with Michael Schaefer. I'm writing solo this week. I'm going to talk about George Pell dying at the age of 81. So 2023 is off to a really good start. Meanwhile, the former Prince Harry has put a book out that uh, covers a lot of topics, including uh, killing people and also his penis for some reason. Meanwhile, over in Brazil, they've stormed their uh, government headquarters and Americans are dumb enough to think that they are to blame. Before all that, let's get to the best intro music in the business. And one all fair for podcasts, one fair play for comedy. We are stripped down and ready to go. I'll never surrender. But well, I ain't spending any time on it. Please explain. I'm going to. Okay. Welcome to another episode of Topical with Michael Schaefer. This is a special episode. I don't have a guest. Just me writing solo. The reason why I wanted to record this is there is just so much happening in the world right now. I had to do this episode. First of all, George Pell is dead. Dead at 81. He was third in charge at the Catholic Church uh, and was also probably a pedophile. Those are the two things that I know about George Pell. Dead at 81, proving that only the good die young. I think there's a lot of truth to that statement. Now, I know he's divisive. Some people think he's innocent. Some people think he's guilty as sin, hard to know, of course. We're all just speculating. However, I think the strongest evidence that he is guilty is when you look at the people who are his greatest supporters, namely former Prime Minister Tony Abbott and News Corp journalist Andrew Bolt. I don't want to Go out and say he's definitely guilty. But if the two people in the world who think you're innocent are a guy who thought eating two raw onions on TV was a good exercise of judgments, and another guy who is always being sued for racism, if they're your two biggest supporters, I don't know, you might be a pedophile. That's just how I view the situation. I mean, Tony Abbott came out and uh, released the statements through his channels. Uh, I mean, it's uh, interesting. It's interesting what Tony Abbott has said. This I'm going to read some of the words he's used describe the passing of George Pell, who was a friend of his, apparently. This is what Tony Abbott wrote. He, George Pell, was a very pastoral priest who well understood the human stain and was more than capable of empathising with sinners while still counselling against sin. I mean, takes one to know one. Maybe that's why he was so good at counselling against sin. He had so much Personal insight, Tony. Abbott goes on to say, his incarceration on charges of the High Court, ultimately scathingly dismissed, was a modern form of crucifixion. A modern form of crucifixion. That is such an inflammatory way to describe getting convicted by a jury of being a pedophile and later getting it overturned by the High Court on some technical, legal, evidential grounds. A modern form of crucifixion. Think about how bad crucifixion is. That's so bad. That could be like the worst way to go. Imagine going up to Jesus on the cross and being like, mate, I know you've got it tough right now, but there's a bloke in a couple thousand years' time who's going to experience a modern form of this. And Jesus would be like, oh, cool, That's, that's... I mean, not cool, that's bad. A modern form of crucifixion, that sounds so much worse than what I'm going through right now. Have they modernized this awful, tortuous death? Oh yeah, Jesus, yeah, I know how you're bleeding from the nails in your hands and feet. However, there is an accused pedophile who 2,000 years from now is going to be publicly shamed in the newspaper so that's a modern form of crucifixion daniel andrews was then asked if there would be a state funeral for george pell and daniel andrews said no we're not going to do that because that would probably be quite upsetting to people who have been victims of child sexual abuse and i think that's probably the right call I will say this though, if they did have the state funeral, who would go? That's got to be the most poorly attended state funeral in history. Who would turn up? I mean, obviously Abbott would be there and Andrew Bolt would be there. I presume only sexual offenders would turn up to send off one of their greats. I think it would be... The subway ambassador, Jared, he would be there. Um, maybe Andrew Tate would turn up if he was allowed to leave that Romanian prison. And probably a bunch of other priests who have been caught over the years. Maybe they would be the only ones who would turn up if they weren't, of course, already in jail to send off one of the greats. George Pell is dead. Good start to twenty twenty three. Do you know who's also having good starts twenty twenty three? That is, the former Prince Harry. So, just released a book called Spare, that is doing insane numbers. Apparently, he's he's going to break the record for most books sold. He's already sold apparently enough books in the first week that most people would expect in a year. He's killing it, uh, and you know why he sold so many books? Because he's got so much weird shit in there that people just have to know about. First of all, he's got a a story about he and his brother being circumcised. So that's in there. You want to read about he and William's circumcision? You can purchase the book and get an insight into what a royal penis looks like. We all want to know. He has a very weird story in the book where he talks about how he wasn't aware that when you were circumcised that your penis could get frostbite. And there's a story how he got frostbite on his... This is, I'm not making this up, by the way. There's a story about how he got frostbite on his penis, and then he had to apply some ointment on it in order to cure the frostbite. So, you can read about that. That's one of the reasons why he sold so many copies. Also, he talks about how many people he killed in Afghanistan. He's really covering a lot of topics. Chapter one, my penis was cold once. Chapter two, I killed 25 Taliban insurgents. That's caused a lot of controversy, him talking about all the people he killed in Afghanistan. First of all, I'm shocked that he actually did kill people and that he faced action because I thought he just went there just as like a royal PR stunt, because a lot of royals do serve in the military. William was in the Air Force, and Charles was also in the military, but they didn't see any combat. Prince Andrew fought in the Falkland Islands, that's true. I'm pretty sure he saw more action on Epstein's Island. So there is a history of royals serving in the military. I had no idea they they actually saw live action. He says that he killed 25... Taliban operatives during his time in Afghanistan. My reaction to that is, what a weird way for those 25 Taliban guys to die. Uh, Think about the circumstances that led up to their deaths. So, first of all, the Saudi government funds an operation that leads to the Twin Towers being blown up in New York in 2001. As a result of that, America starts a war in Afghanistan, which is not Saudi Arabia. Those are different places. On the map, they're also pretty far apart. So, for whatever reason, America's like, oh, the Saudi government funded these terrorists to blow up these buildings, but we get a lot of oil from that arrangement. So we're going to go to Afghanistan and get revenge there. So now there's a war in Afghanistan and the British join the war because they're allies with the US. And Prince Harry ends up going there because he needs to rehabilitate his image because he was in trouble for wearing a Nazi uniform at a party. So, because of all that, twenty-five Taliban insurgents look up in the sky one day, and there's a helicopter above them, and they're being shot at by a prince. (sighs) Even they, I think that's why he was able to kill so many people, because everyone would look up and be like, "Surely that's not Prince Harry." firing a machine gun from an Apache helicopter. And in that moment of hesitation, they have exposed themselves and have been shot. Crazy way to die. Crazy. So people are saying that this is incredible that he's killed that many people. That is interesting. It's a lot of people. I mean, is it... Comparatively, it's not a lot. I mean, there are high schoolers in America who have greater kill counts. I mean, in terms of just the amount of, just in terms of raw numbers, Harry wouldn't be in the top 200 serial killers. He wouldn't be getting, the only way he'd be getting a Netflix deal is not for the killings, it's for leaving the royal family. It's a good number, but it's, I'm just saying it's not a US disaffected white high schooler number. That's all I'm saying. As a result of him revealing this figure, that he's killed 25 people, some military folk have come out and they've criticized Harry because they're saying that this is going to put a big target on his back. They're saying that this is now going to lead to reprisals from the Afghan government. I don't know. I feel like the greatest threat to Prince Harry isn't isn't the Taliban. I, I think it's Piers Morgan who is still upset that Meghan Markle didn't respond to one of his DMs five years ago. Like, if anyone's going to attack Prince Harry, it's one of the insane readers of the Daily Mail who have been radicalised over years of hit pieces against him and his wife who's going to cause them harm. There's also the big criticism of Harry and Meghan, which is that they're just making money off their former royal status. And of course that's what they're doing. And... Good luck to them, to be quite honest. They're literally making money complaining about their family. That is the dream. Because I would say that we all complain about our families for free most of the time. Often, we'll pay a therapist to complain about our families. Often, we will spend money to complain about our families. Harry and Meghan have managed to make over a hundred million dollars to do something that many of us would do for free. I mean, I think people are just jealous of the way that they have monetized that natural human urge to complain about your parents and your brothers and and your dad and I mean, think about this, think about all the racist stuff that your uncle or your auntie or, you know, your grandfather who sits in front of Sky News every night and listens to Andrew Bolt talk, think about all the racist stuff they say day to day or at the Christmas table, perhaps you heard some things, you can't monetize that, no one really cares enough to pay you to hear all that gossip. But now Prince Harry and Meghan Markle have found a way to say, hey, we were going to have a kid and the royals were already was going to be black. How racist is that? Bang, $100 million. I think people are just jealous that they're getting paid to do what we all wish we were paid to do. Australia has once again revealed how we have no culture this week because the new lamb ad has come out and it is truly embarrassing how much what's the word it's embarrassing how much stead we put in the lamb ad and how every year the nation crowds around to watch a three-minute advertisement that encourages us to eat lamb. It's the strangest behavior. Oh, probably the only thing that's more annoying about Australian culture than that is the shoey. That's really annoying that we're famous for drinking beer out of a shoe. Daniel Ricardo, looking at you, mate. The other thing that's really annoying about Australian culture is Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. Easily the worst of the national chants. Like, if you're ever overseas and you hear someone yell out, Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. You should uh, leave because you don't want to be around that. But probably the third most annoying thing about Australian culture is the lamb ad. I think I find it annoying just because it's this attempt at manipulating people to eat lamb but it's done in a way that aligns with our national identity and it's like, well, if you're not eating lamb, are you really Australian? And this whole ad this year was about mocking the term un-Australian which is frustrating because for years, people have been criticized for being un-Australian if they don't eat lamb and meat. I mean, people say that like vegans are weird, but they don't have an advertisement every year that goes for three minutes and costs $12 million about tofu. They don't do that. They're annoying in other ways. They're annoying because they're morally right and we don't like it when... They expose our own moral flaws and deficiencies. That's annoying, but they don't pry themselves on this annual tradition of watching a corporation trick us to eating lamb on Australia Day. Brazil is... uh, There's a bit going on in Brazil. There is a bit going on in Brazil right now. Their capital has been stormed. And look, I don't know heaps about this situation. All I know is that they had that previous president, Jair Bolsonaro, who... All I know about him is that... Well, he was called like the Trump of Brazil. But all I know really about him is that he... He kept saying that COVID like wasn't real and then he got it like seven times. That's all that I really know about him is that he didn't take COVID seriously and I'm pretty sure they named a strain after him because he just, he just kept getting COVID. He was the most COVID-infected person in the world. He was president for quite a long time and then he's recently uh, lost that presidency in an election and his supporters are not happy. So they went and they stormed the presidential buildings, the the government buildings. Look, I don't know, but they stormed a government building. The reason I want to talk about this is because, God, Americans are annoying. Because Amer- every editorial coming out of a US publication right now is saying like, oh, they're just... This is the legacy of January 6th. This is our legacy. January 6th happened, and now other countries have realized that they too can insurrect and overthrow their governments, and this is America's fault. It's, you can't, that's so arrogant. It's so arrogant to think that the only reason that these Bolsonaro supporters in Brazil stormed the government buildings was because of what happened in Washington, D.C. on January the 6th. People have been doing insurrections and coups for decades. You didn't invent the, the insurrection, America. You didn't invent this. How can you claim that you are responsible for this, America. You're responsible for destabilizing so many countries, but not not Brazil. I mean, there are countries in the Middle East that are like, hey, remember how you completely like overthrew our government and then there was a power vacuum and then uh, ISIS was created? Remember that? Can you take blame for that, America? America's like, oh, we don't remember that, but... Oh. Yeah, the insurrection Brazil, that was us. That was us. It's arrogant. Typical American arrogance. All right. Well, that was my special edition of the podcast this week. If you enjoyed those thoughts, you might be interested in knowing I've got some live shows coming up in Perth, Fremantle, Kalamunda, Mandurah. Margaret River, Adelaide, Melbourne, the Gold Coast. Tickets are available on michaelshafer.com. Sydney, Brisbane, Darwin, Cairns. They're going to be on sale pretty soon, I would say. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you soon. We'll right.